Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every week at this same time. <clears throat> this is the kind of program where you get to have your say on any religious issue. Call in and you can express your opinion uh, uh, if it's different from mine or the same. And we can try to determine what the truth is. Of course, we're always going to let the Bible be the standard. The Bible is going to determine what the truth is. You know, only the truth can make us free from sin, John 8.32. Churches believe and teach different things. And since 2 plus 2 can't equal 4 and 5 at the same time, all these churches and all these preachers teaching the different things, they all can't be practicing the truth. They all can't be practicing the truth. What I thought we'd talk about tonight while we're waiting on our first call is some examples of religious people who had to change. Because maybe you're out there tonight and you're religious, but if you're not following the truth, remember John 8.32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. John 8.31, Jesus said, ye are my disciples indeed if you continue in my word. So we have to continue in his word. Maybe somebody out there is religious, but they need to change religiously because they're not following the truth. Like, for example, Saul of Tarsus, one of the classic, classic examples of this. Here we have a guy who was persecuting Christians. He thought he was doing what God would want him to do, God's bidding, but he was doing the very opposite of what God would want him to do. The lines are wide open if you have a Bible question or comment. The number to call is 877-655-6755. In Acts 26, verse 5, we read about Saul. Quote, which knew me from the beginning that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. So here we have Saul, later became known as Paul, living as a Pharisee. He said of the most straightest sect of our religion. And then the passage that teaches that he was persecuting Christians, which we've already mentioned. Let me read Acts 9, 1 through 2. It says, In Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So he was persecuting Christians. He was threatening them. He was slaughtering them. He was bringing them bound into Jerusalem. So much so that Christians were scared of him. And rightfully so. They were scared in the sense that he, they were afraid that he was going to kill them or... <clears throat> Put him in prison or beat him. Saul was persecuting Christians. But yet we read in Acts 23 verse 1. It says, And Paul said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. So Paul was a religious person. We're talking about before he became a Christian. A Pharisee of the straightest sect of the Pharisees. He was persecuting Christians. But during all that time he lived in all good conscience. Meaning he thought. He was doing what was right. He thought he was doing what God wanted him to do. But you'll remember, Jesus appeared to him miraculously on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. Saul believed on the road to Damascus, and then Ananias was sent to Saul to tell him what to do. And in Acts 22, verse 16, Ananias told Saul, Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So Saul... While he was a Jew, he was a very zealous Jew, doing always doing what he thought was right. 
even after he believed in Christ, Ananias appeared to him, came to him, and told him to be baptized to get his sins washed away. So Saul was a very, very religious person as a Pharisee. Very zealous. Thought he was doing exactly what God would have him to do, yet he was not saved. He had to believe, repent, and be baptized to get his sins washed away by the blood of Christ. This proves that it's possible to be very, very religious and still not be saved. Maybe you're like that. Very religious, but not saved because you haven't been doing exactly what the Bible says. Al from Minnesota, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes. Um, the question is, I, my wife and I, um, we've been married 46 years. Anyway, my my daughter, it's her middle, our middle daughter and her boyfriend, they have two kids together with them. My daughter has two other kids from another person. But anyway, we're grandparents to all of them. And we've had multiple different traditions and stuff that all of us would do. Hey, Al, I really can't understand you. Al, you got a bad connection or something. One second. Is this better? Yes, it is better. Okay. Did you hear any of it, or do I need to repeat no, it? No, start again. Okay. Um, my wife and I, we've been married for 46 years, and we had three kids. And my middle daughter... She has five children total, three with the person she's with now and two from another person. And we've had multiple different um, um, traditions that we've done in over their life and up till last Easter, I believe it is. Anyway, they, if it's not in the Bible, they will not do anything, no matter if it's been a tradition that we've had or not. And one of the, the first one was the Easter egg hunt. They said it's not in the Bible, so we won't do it. And they don't go to a church. They just, he reads from the Bible every Sunday, I guess it is. That's that's mm-hmm. what they call church. And we went to it once, and, I mean, it's not really what we wanted to do, so we, we didn't go anymore. So I guess the question is, I don't know what to do or what to say or, I mean, because my wife is devastated because we can't see the five grandchildren. Why can't you see the grandchildren? They won't let us. They won't let you see the grandchildren. Why? Uh, the reason is because we're not good grandparents. Because you don't I, I follow don't. some of the th- things they don't want to do. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And they live about a mile away. Wow. And they used to live at our. They used to live at our house most of the time. The, the grandkids and everything. And it's just tearing my wife apart that we can't enjoy them. Now, Al, I'm I can't. I'm not a counselor, and I really can't tell you much mm-hmm. to do. But okay, I wonder if we could have a phone, maybe a phone Bible study, perhaps with you and your wife and me, and your daughter and her husband, and we could talk about some of these issues that they're that they disagree with you on, and find out what the Bible has to say. Maybe we could slowly resolve some of these things. Is that a possibility? It it possibly might be. They're not married, but he is... The daughter and him have more or less... I mean, they blocked their phone so we can't text them or anything. And like I said, we don't see the kids anymore. But we had a couple of meetings not too long ago, maybe like a year ago, and they said we were going to work things out, and then just boom, all of a sudden... 
when we were going to do the Halloween thing, which is a tradition we've always done, and they said mm-hmm. no to that, and they just said we're we're done with you. It's like, well, I, I don't know where to go. So, <laughs> so your daughter, you can't communicate with your daughter by by phone either. No, she's blocked us. Okay, so what you might could do is just drive by there and ask them. But that, that's the only thing I could suggest, Al, is that perhaps we okay. could all five do a Bible study together. I'd be willing to do that. Okay, I, I mean, I could try to get a hold of them, but I, there's no guarantee. So, I mean, how would I get back to you? Okay. Uh, can you, I've got your number, and okay. I'll try to give you a call. The program is over. And they give okay. you my cell phone number, and, or you okay? Is okay. that okay? Yeah, that would be fine. Okay, I'll call you tonight after the program is over, and we'll we'll try to figure something out. Okay. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your call, Al. Robert from Indiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. It's not really a question on on the topic that you brought up of religious versus saved. Isn't that a question that we as a religion, for lack of a better word, face on more of a global scale? Too many of us are religious while not caring what the Bible or Christ has to say. Philip Yancey in the Jesus I Never Knew pointed out that during the great times of growth in the church, we were the not we, because we weren't alive, but we embraced the lower classes of society while, you know, not spending so much time with the religious or what we consider the powerful. As we look mm-hmm. at Christianity today, aren't we embracing the religious and the powerful and hoping that the lower classes of society don't even come into our churches? Well, we shouldn't be doing that. In James chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, it condemns the Christians there because they were showing partiality toward toward the rich folks against the poor folks. Now, in James chapter 1, verse 27, Robert, uh, it tells us, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So the word, being religious is not a bad thing. That's not a bad word, religion. It's just that you can be religious, but as you said, not following the word of God. I mean, the the Bible says about Jesus Christ in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, that he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So we have religious people. We give an example, Saul of Tarsus. But he wasn't, he was religious, very zealous in his religion, a Jewish pharisaical religion, but he was not following Christ, therefore he was not saved. And there could be many people like that today. Not that religion is a bad word, but they're religious, but not following the truth. Larry from Virginia, yeah. go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, I'm just traveling in Virginia. I'm from Tennessee. Uh, I was going to comment on that caller with the children. Some states have grandparents' rights. That might be something to check into. I know at one time Tennessee had grandparents' rights laws. Okay. Some kind and, of legal uh, rights you're talking about, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's a it's a law. It, it was a law in Tennessee that grandparents had a right to see the children unless they were not fit to take care of the children. Okay. Thanks for the suggestion, Larry. I will. Uh, 
uh, call me when, when you get convenient time. Call you? Yes, please. Okay, I'll try to call you after the program tonight. All right, thank you. Bye. Thanks, Larry. So we're talking about the religious in the Bible that had to change. We're not saying religion is necessarily bad, but you can... The religion of Christ is good. If you're following Christ, that's being religious. But we have a lot of people today who are religious, and they're part of churches you can't read about in the Bible that practice things that aren't in the Bible. So they're following a religion, but not the religion you read about in the New Testament. Another example of this is Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius was a person who said to be devout, but he hadn't actually obeyed the gospel, so he wasn't saved. Let me mention the number again to call if you have a Bible question or comment. is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. Here in Acts 10, 1 through 6, we read about Cornelius. It says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, devout man, that means very religious, as very, the Bible's complimenting him for that, being devout. One that feared God with all his house, that's a very high compliment. Which gave much alms to the people, that means charity, so he's helping people less fortunate than he is. He prayed to God always, that's, that's something that's good, he prays to God a lot. He saw in a vision an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid. He said, What is it, Lord? And he said, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. In other words, because of your prayers and your charitable deeds, I'm going to do something to help you, I guess is what that would be saying. And what he's going to do is he's going to send Peter to tell him the truth. It says, And now send men to Joppa, call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And then we read in Acts 11, 13 and 14, quote, And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa and call for Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. So here we have Cornelius. He's a devout man. He's one that fears God with all his house. He gives charity to those who are less fortunate than he is. He prays to God always. You would think that kind of that kind of person described that way would be in a saved relationship with God, but he wasn't. God sent Peter to him to tell him words, meaning to preach to him, so that he and all his house could be saved. Now, if a man like that who's devout, fears God, helps people who are needy, prays to God always, if that person, if it's possible for that person not to be saved, then it's possible for us today to be like that and not be saved. I'm talking about people who are religious, but since they're not following the truth, and only the truth will set us free from sin, John 8, 32, they're not saved. So you can have all kinds of people in all kinds of denominational churches, and they're going to be, some of them are very religious. They're very diligent about their religion. But their religion is different than the religion you read about in the New Testament. I mean, their religion, as we were talking about a week or two ago, might include accepting gays as preacher or gay marriages. They're religious. And they accept the homosexuals 
when the Bible says that homosexuals and sodomites will not inherit the kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. They may be religious and be part of a church that allows women to preach from the pulpit. When the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. It is a shame for women to speak in the church. So if, if they're in that situation, they're religious, they're like Cornelius, they may be devout, but they're not following the truth. So they're going to be like Cornelius. They're not going to be saved. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call, 877-655-6755. Another example I think of is Apollos. Apollos was a man who was very close to the truth. He just needed a little gentle correction. Let me read from Acts 18, 24 through 26. Quote, says, And a certain Jew named Apollos, an eloquent man, and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. Man, it says Apollos was eloquent, a good speaker, mighty in the scriptures. That's a very high compliment, especially for somebody who's trying to teach God's word. He was instructed in the way of the Lord. The next phrase says, and being fervent in the spirit. So he's very zealous. He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. Again, another high compliment. Then it says, knowing only the baptism of John. So he was very zealous. He was mighty in the scriptures. He was teaching others. But he knew only the baptism of John. His knowledge of the scriptures, of the gospel, was incomplete. So, continuing with the reading, it says, He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. You know, that's kind of what we try to do on this program. And, and we may need correction ourselves sometime. If we're not preaching what the Bible says, you need to call in and gently correct me. We're trying to do what Aquila and Priscilla did with Apollos. People who are trying to follow God's word, they're sincere, they're doing most of the truth, but maybe they're off on a few things. We're trying to gently correct them by showing them the complete truth. That's one of the purposes of this radio program. So here we have another example of someone who was religious... But he was not in a saved relationship with God. Perhaps you're out there in the listening audience and you may be religious, very religious maybe, but you're not in a saved relationship with God unless you've obeyed the gospel, unless you've been baptized for the remission of sins. Peter said in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. If you have a Bible question or comment, call us at 877-655-6755. You know, some may be worshiping God but not worshiping God according to his instructions. Turn to the Old Testament, Leviticus 10, 1 and 2. That, those two verses read, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein, and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the, the Lord. Now, we're not under the Old Testament law today, so we're not going to learn from this passage how to worship God. The New Testament does not instruct us to use incense in our worship to God. But here's something we can learn from this. They were worshiping God, but they weren't doing it the way God had authorized, the way he had commanded. So God was very displeased. So displeased, he sent fire down from heaven and consumed them. What we can learn is today, when we're worshiping God, we need to not only worship him, we need to do it the way he's taught us to the way God has specified for us to worship him in the New Testament. And if we don't, God is going to be very displeased.
There may be people out there listening to the program that are worshiping God on a regular basis, but they're not worshiping God the way God has taught them to. Maybe you don't know. What does God say about how to worship? Well, call me after the program, and maybe we can have a Bible study on that. I'll give my number in just a little while. But if you want to call the program and get on the air right now, call us at 877-655-6755. The number is 877-655-6755. And then I'm thinking of another Old Testament passage, 1 Chronicles 13, 7-10. You remember the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, the box they carried around the holy things like the tablets that the Ten Commandments were written, in, written on. God had said never touch that box the ark with human hand, he'd given them a way to carry it. Two long poles threw four rings on the box so they had four handles they could carry that box without touching it, the ark of the covenant, by carrying it using the end of the poles that went through the rings. But in First Chronicles 13, verses 7 through 10, we read, they carried the ark of God in a new cart. And Uzzah and Ahio drave the cart. When they came into the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him, because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. Now, I'm pretty sure that Uzzah was trying to do something to help God. The ark, the oxen stumble, the ark's about to fall, maybe it's going to break. But he reaches up there and touches it just long enough to steady it, to keep it from falling. He's trying to help God, but God had said, don't touch that ark. And so God struck him dead. Here's what we can learn from this passage. Even though we're not under the Old Testament law anymore, we don't have to worry about the Ark of the Covenant, <laughs> unless Indiana Jones finds it. But we don't have to worry about it, touching it. It doesn't exist. The New Testament doesn't say anything about that. But what we can learn from that is if we, what Uzzah did, he did something that God said not to do. He was trying to help God, but he did something God said not to do. Today, even if we think we're going to do something that will help God, but God said don't do it, then don't do it. Women preachers issue comes to mind. A lot of women out there may be preaching for the money, but i got to believe some of them are preaching sincerely. They're trying to help the cause of Christ. But they're doing something that passages like 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35 and 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12 tell them not to do. They're trying to help God, but they're doing something God said not to do. We can learn from 1 Chronicles 13, don't do something if God said not to do it, even if you think it's going to help God. And and then the point that goes along with the lesson, Uzzah was somebody doing, he was a religious person doing something he thought was religiously right, but he was struck dead by God because he did something God said not to do. Another person who was religious but needed to change. Chris from Florida, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Oh, yes. How you doing? Uh, my question is regarding uh, the mercy of God. Um, let's say a new convert uh, accept Christ into their life. They repent and accept, accept Christ on Monday. Uh, they plan on getting baptized Saturday. You know, they, they're going to get baptized Saturday. They die and don't make it. Uh, does God have mercy on that new convert? Let me ask you something, Chris. What was the reason they were going to get baptized on Saturday? This is sort of a side uh, question. Plan, I won't that, answer your question. The, that, that's the plan. Uh, that's when the the date for the baptism is set. 
Saturday. I know, and, and when they get baptized on Saturday, is the reason going to be because, like Peter said, to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins? Are they going to do it for the remission of sins on Saturday? Uh, yes, yeah, they're going to do it because um, they accepted Christ, and, you know, yes, they're, they're told, you know, to now be baptized. Well, so if they're going to do it for the remission of sins, then they're not going to wait. Because if you're going to do it for the reason Peter said to do it in Acts 2.38, you're not going to wait because you know you don't want to take a chance on dying in a car accident. Because So if it's if you understand what Acts 2.38 says, you're going to be baptized for the remission of sins, you're going to do it right then, just like the jailer did it, even after midnight, because he recognized he had to do it to be saved, so he's not going to wait. If you want that one-hour phone Bible study with me, sometime during the week that's convenient for you, give me a call on my cell phone. 256-682-9753. Call or text me, 256-682-9753, and we can arrange a one-hour phone Bible study.